it looks like we piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially? and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The Hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever need them. This is not your typical mastermind. The Hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, if you're watching right now, first of all, you need to smash the button that says uh, subscribe. Don't even push it. Just smash it. 84% of the people who watch the show aren't subscribed. So just subscribe so I look cool in front of my friends and my uh, child Maddox, who is the man. Uh, but if you're watching, you can see this guy's face. This man lit up my life as he's going to light up yours. And I tell you, the the... The starting or the title of this podcast is called Lead With Your Heart. And when I told Andrew this, I surprised him with it. And he was like, well, what do you mean by that? Because I want to make sure that I honor you. Andrew, you honor me and you honor every single person by just being here. But every one of you will know after this podcast why I said lead with your heart. This is one of the, the men who has really transformed my life because he helped me to be able to look at the moment that I was in at that particular time. And no matter what I was going through, that I could be a blessing to everyone around me, even if my circumstances weren't great at the time. And Andrew has been an example to this. He's an inspiration to every single person. His financial mind is on a different level. His course, being able to take your ideas, turn them into a course and turn them into revenue for you, it's off the charts. So I am so honored and blessed to be able to have this guy as my one of my very, very good friends, but also honored that he doesn't go on many podcasts, but he was willing to come on ours. So welcome to the show, Mr. Andrew Chestnut. Awesome. Thank you, brother. I always appreciate it, uh, man. You are one of my favorite people and you are one of my favorite humans. And I'm absolutely honored to be here, man. Thank you so much. Well, it's, it's incredible. And when I said lead with your heart and I, I stuttered there for a second, uh, you know, and I was sitting in it because, you know, sometimes that silence, right? I was sitting in that silence and I'm thinking like, you know, why am I saying lead with your heart about you is because honestly, it's all I see when I see you. All I see is a big heart who's willing and ready to be able to serve everyone. Andrew, like 
And I want to thank all the people that are listening. Thank you for uh, helping our show to become in the uh, top 1% globally. Also, the top five shared podcasts on Spotify. I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you because we had some technical difficulties. Right, Andrew? We were working through (laughs) some stuff today. We were working through changes in schedule. We were working through plumbers being here. All these different things. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to the people out there that when they have a plan, like you seem to be able to adapt in an incredible way. And mm-hmm. when, because life isn't always going to turn out the way that you want it to. Am I correct? <laughs> that is so, so, so true. You know, we always have a plan in life and then something else comes in the way. And uh, sometimes it's uh, there to challenge us. And sometimes it's uh, there, uh, the universe presents a better way for us to do something. But honestly, yeah, nothing ever goes to plan. I mean, it's like I've, I've worked in the learning industry. I've also worked in the tech industry. And it's like that's that's the 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 uh, one of the main things with the tech industry is that nothing ever goes like we do. You know, if I'm creating an online course and I have this huge plan and spent weeks making sure that everything goes right and we're going to a video shoot and I get onto there and I, you know, I prompt the um, subject matter experts in a chair to go do a video. And I say, here, tell me about this, something you've been doing for for years and years. And he gives me three answers to not the question I asked. Sometimes things go wrong. And you know what? Honestly, it's all about adaptation. And there's two ways I can go about it. Get frustrated and do my thing. Or I can just say, like what your mom says, ah, shit. (laughs) Go forward. (laughs) Just make it work. So where, where have you been able to tap into that, Andrew, because you seem to be, no matter what environment we're in, you know, whether it's we're hanging out at the hideout in Salt Lake or in Park City, we're doing that, or we're on the phone and we're working back and forth as far as schedule. We tried to start this show and some of the video stuff wasn't working, some of the technical side of it, but you just kept the smile. You just continued to move through and you continue to deliver. Where did that come from, man? Like, was that tested by fire or did you read a book about it? No, it was very much tested by fire. Uh, for most of my life, I really didn't have any sort of control over my life. It was just kind of letting things happen, just a whole bunch of, you know, just it, it, it was never any control over my life. I was never being like effect over my life. It was always just kind of letting things or never cause over my life. It was just always letting it affect me. Right. And it's one of those things where it's, I, it took a long time because I would always try to control things and then I would wonder why I wasn't controlling things and I would wonder why things were going badly. And it, it wasn't until I learned the just be at peace with what is happening, step back for a second, and is this really a good use of my energy? So I could either get angry and start trying to control things and it goes in a bad direction, or I could be like, shit. <laughs> And then kind of let things happen how they're going to happen. And, and so that was really a decision. That was probably one of the, I don't remember exactly what had happened, but it was a huge deal for me is to be able to just get that moment going, you know what, this is going to work. What's the worst thing? Okay, so I have nothing else scheduled for the rest of the day. I've got like one meeting with my my assistant that I can bump off. There's no negative at this. You know, if, if we bump this back by two hours, it is what it is. You know, we just kind of let things happen the way they're going to happen. You know, still have a plan for your life, still have goals, still go in a direction. But, you know, don't let the little shit get to you. <laughs> That's the thing, you know? You know, yeah. So, Andrew, let's, let's go right into the, the, I mean, you're an expert. Like anyone who is doing a course, um, which is... Yeah so many people nowadays, but I think a lot of times they're start stops them, 
right? And our friend yeah. Sean Finnegan, I got to give credit to him because he said that to me one time and I was like, man, that blew my mind. But the start stops us. It's the, the you know, you have the idea, you think about it, but you're the execution guy. Like if you want your course to not only come into fruition, but also to be able to generate revenue, Andrew's your guy. You're the guy. Yeah. What is stopping people? What is, I mean, when, when we talk about, I, I said the start stops them, but what is stopping people from having a course that will take things to that next level? So the biggest hangup I see people have is, is as an expert, we're really good at going from point A to point F in one step, right? It's super easy for us. But once they start to get into B, C, D, and E and having to fill in all those gaps, that's where this stop starts. So think about the, uh, anyone who has kids ever tried to teach your kids how to tie your shoes. You know how exactly frustrating that is. It's the most frustrating process because we are so good at tying our shoes. But now I have to stop, step back a second, think about going, all right, so I do this and now I go over this way. And, you know, I'm even having trouble kind of thinking about exactly how to tie my shoes too. But it's like, that's our problem. We're experts. And so that's something that I really like doing is, is walking in and going, all right, great. Here's your point A, here's your point F. Now let's fill in these blanks here. And it's, it's the first way that I engage with people. What, what parts do we want to do? What, what, what do I actually need to, what information do I need to transfer between me as the teacher and you as the learner uh, to actually make that work? And that's kind of where we step in. But that's the number one thing. Absolutely. Just knowing that process. So when, I mean, understanding the process and the, the A to F, let's, let's go to that. So let's go to the A. I mean, when we look at Andrew today, absolute mm -hmm. expert, you need a course, you need it to sell, you need to create revenue, you go to Andrew. Um, you have financial questions, you go to Andrew. That's the, that's the F. Let's go back to A. When mm -hmm. little Andrew was growing up, what helped you in your life to start to understand these processes and how to be able to break them down? Because, I mean, or were you just born with it and you're just blessed and we're all just, uh, you know, mere mortals, uh, uh, according to <laughs> No, it's so for me, I, I love learning. I love figuring out how things work. And it's something that has always been a part of me where just, you know, taking things apart. I, I mean, I can remember when I was really young and nobody has ever heard this, this story before. So it's, uh, you got an exclusive here. Um, I can remember somebody giving me this old junk blender that they couldn't use anymore and it didn't work. And I can remember taking this thing apart and trying to figure out how, it, I had to have been like seven or eight doing this, trying to take this thing apart, trying to figure out where the buttons went, trying to figure out how the motor went to it. You know, had this thing all out on a kitchen table, just in pieces and trying to see what happened when I pushed a button, where did that go and what did it do? And so for me, that's always just been this curiosity. Like in, in high school, I was all about cars. I, I loved cars and um, my it never came to fruition, but my project car was a 1968 Dodge Charger RT. Um, I actually went and called every place I possibly could find to get one of these things simply because I wanted the Dukes of Hazard car and it was my thing. Uh, so you know, trying to get involved in cars and getting, seeing how they worked. And this was not like the, the crap we have now. No, no, no computers, no nothing. This was like mid nineties, like early mid nineties. So these were like carburetors and various stuff like that. Always was really fascinated on how these things worked. And it wasn't until much later in life. Um, so I lived in Cleveland for seven years. Um, I've been back in uh, my hometown of Buffalo, New York for 15, 16 years now. But I, the original 
plan was to move back here, just get a job. I've never worked at a call center. I always, I just like, hey, what the hell? I'm going to try this new thing. You know, see what happens. Get this new experience. Um, and it was supposed to be my future previous employer. That's <laughs> really what it was. Supposed to be a McJob and just go get whatever it is. It was better than McDonald's at the time. And so I get in and not even three months, I hadn't even been there three months. And I decided there was a training position open. I'm like, you know what? I was a TA in college. I'd done some of this stuff. I, I, and I liked training. I liked teaching people. Let's give this a shot. And it turned into an over 15 year career. And just, it, so it kind of came part and parcel with that, like liking to figure out how things work. So, and that's not just like physical items. That's also trying to figure out how banking works. I mean, that's what I started in. I started with a major banking corporation back in 2006 is my first training gig and trying to figure out how it worked. How does the stock market work? You know, um, how, how does real estate work? I mean, it went to the extent that I actually got my real estate license because it's just like, I want to figure out how the hell this stuff works and then be able to share that to other people. Often to my family's chagrin, they usually get this like glazed over look when I start going into trainer mode. But uh, that's always been a passion of mine. And and so, you know, it, years later, it just went into now working with entrepreneurs because I love how entrepreneurs work. I love this kind of, you know, um, startup mindset. They have this passion. You know, anyway, so that's my, my, my kind of long and winding story about exactly, you know, how I got started with this, but it's been since I was young and it wasn't until I got in and just kind of fell into this groove of being able to show people how things work and show people, you know, these steps and, and get them from point A to B and watch that process. Sometimes real frustrating at first, but you get that moment when they just get it and they're able to do it. And it really, really, um, I, I just love that process. So yeah. Andrew, I think a, a thing that I absolutely love about you and everyone in the world. Once they touch you and, and come in contact with you, they will. For me, we were just having this conversation. I, I was talking with a friend and we were saying that it's not about the features and benefits of the widget, mm -hmm. right? Now, if you have the features and benefits, that's awesome. But a lot of times people get into that mode as far as selling, you know, when they're, when they're bringing their product to market, they're like, oh, my features and benefits are so much better. But then you have maybe an inferior product with a better storyteller or a person who really connects with the people who are buying it. And that thing sells at a higher rate. You have mastered this. You draw the best out in the entrepreneur. You draw the best out in the person that is doing the course. How do you do that? Like, how do you bring the best out? Because I could have a course that's exactly, that's going to deliver the exact, there could pretty much in life be maybe 15, 20 courses, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's thousands and thousands. How have you been able to help a person get above the noise? You actually hit it right on the head. So basically most of what we're teaching now is the uh, generally the same iteration of something that's probably already been done. You know, even just the learning and development industry that I'm in has been around for 70 years. You know, there's nothing really new, you know, there's not really anything that we're teaching that's really, really new. Couple of things, but I'd say maybe that's 1%. What it is, is I want to learn from a specific person. I want to hear your story. I resonate with what you're doing and that's who I want to learn from. So really good example, just to take you as an example. There's a lot of hairstylists in the world, but I really like Kelly. I just, I love his story. I love hearing what it is. He's got this awesome vibe. I want to learn hairstyling from Kelly. And it's really capturing that. And it's not about the data. It's about the person. And that's really what we focus on is, is showing it your special vibe, your special sauce to doing this, this one thing and how you've been able to do it. 
So that's really what we focus on too, is just the, the person and the storytelling and that behind it. Yeah. So, so let's yeah. talk about the storytelling with you, because I think that a lot of times when people yeah. could draw out the things that you can out of people, you've gone through mm-hmm. or you've experienced things where you can have the type of empathy uh, that sometimes people who haven't experienced it have. And so I find that a lot of times people who want to help people at the highest level, and if you've listened to the podcast before, and I want to thank you for it, you guys are amazing, all you out there listening, but you've heard me ask this before, and I'm going to ask you this, because most of the time people who want to help people have been people who have needed help. Mm-hmm. Early on in life, what help did you need that helped you to realize that you didn't want other people to experience that same hurt or that same pain. So my, and I don't talk a whole lot about this and it's, but it's just one of the biggest things for me though, an incredible isolation. And, and, and so for me, it wasn't having a voice. It was just, um, when I first read the book, um, no more Mr. Nice guy, I felt judged and understood all at the same time because it just hit everything on the thing for me. It hit every single nail in the head and explained a whole bunch of, parts of my personality that really needed, um, I needed to work through. So again, for it, I just, I didn't feel heard. Um, it was always, oh, you just kind of sit over in the corner, you know, just there, it, it was always that feeling of just not having my voice heard and being really isolated from people. And so it got me into my head. And I think that's part of why I like to figure things out because it was nice. I could just do it by myself. I could just, you know, it's just me. I didn't have to interact with anyone else. I could go over into the table and just kind of take apart this blender and do my thing. And for me, that was really what I needed. It was just that. And um, for me also, it was just a bunch, some guidance. You know, I had all these great ideas in my head. I always knew I was an entrepreneur. Always, always knew I was an entrepreneur. Um, and I was 16 years old. I tried to start a video production company because that was something I had done and had everything like spec'd out for this thing. Again, mid nineties. So not really, you know, any of the cool stuff that we have now working with like video toaster and like way mega computers and way back in the day. Um, but still, I didn't feel like I had a voice. I didn't feel because of that. And because of that isolation, I really didn't have any confidence, like none and really had a negative self-talk because I never had that, you know, that, that positive interaction. I never had, um, it was never like I was unloved. I mean, just to be clear about it, never like I was unloved. Just, I had a group of people around me who had no idea what the hell to do with this entrepreneurial kid who, you know, was always trying to explain stuff to people and just very communicative to put it kindly, um, you know, trying to be communicative with people, trying to get this interaction going. And so that was something that really, I had to process through it to get going myself. Um, and to really overcome. And I think that that comes through in, you know, doing courses, helping others to spread their voice. Um, I do keynote presentations as well. It kind of came part and parcel with what I was doing, but that's the thing, spreading stories, helping people to overcome um, these uh, not feeling heard. And so for me, that was a big deal. So Andrew, I'm going to put, you see what this button is? Like I'm pushing right here. This button is called the rewind button. We're going to rewind into that for a second. We're going to sit in it. Okay. No, no, we're going to rewind into it because you said something that was so important. You said, you know, I felt like I wasn't heard or I wasn't seen. Can you explain this? Explain what that feels like, because I think a lot of times a person will say it, but maybe a person that's in that right now or a person that's on the, because we're either in that, we're coming out of it, or we're about to go in it, right? So we're either not being heard 
um, you know, we're just starting to be heard or we're just about to not be heard again. It's, I mean, it's a cycle, right? It's, it, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Can you explain, if you had to explain what not being seen or not being heard, if you had to explain that to a five-year-old that had no idea what it felt like, how would you explain it? So that would, that's a harder question to answer. I like that. I like these questions though, because it really brings out a lot of things that, you know, uh, that I think need to be shared, at least in my life. Um, If I had to explain that to a five-year-old, my, I would explain it more like opening your mouth and nothing coming out and you not being able to get anything out. It's like uh, we have, uh, you know, there, some people have dreams where they feel like you know, they're, they're, something is going to happen. They feel like they're going to scream and nothing comes out. And that would probably be the best way I could explain that kind of in an explain like I'm five mindset. It's frustration. It, it's this, um, this process of just kind of letting everyone walk over you is a huge part of it. And, and, um, you know, not feeling like what you have to say is valid, not feeling like what you have to say is, um, yeah, is valid or is even worth it. I mean, why would I bother? You know, why would I bother saying anything? Cause nobody's going to hear it anyway. And that was a major thing for me and growing up, you know, rightly wrongly. That's why I like to use the, I feel this way. Um, but, um, that's, that's been that part is, is just not you know, really that frustration of, I don't, I don't matter. I don't mess. I don't, it's not worth it for me to even have this conversation because nobody's going to hear it and it's not even worth it because this. And so, yeah, that's probably the way I would, I would reckon, you know, I would uh, explain it. And for me, it's interesting. It's an ongoing process too. And so that's why, that's why I love these questions because it digs into it because it's like, I, uh, there's sometimes I, I've never thought about that question. <laughs> Honestly, this is, you're, you're hearing a very candid, you're hearing my brain on speakerphone, as somebody once said to me at one point, because it's like, <laughs> I haven't thought about that. <laughs> well, well, let's, let's take this. And uh, when I, for my friend, Wayne Freeman, he said, Kelly, when you do a podcast on YouTube, not everyone's watching it on YouTube. He was like, so when you say something like, look at that helmet in the room, no one knows. So I have to explain it. So when I was saying I'm pushing this button, Wayne, I was pushing, I was tapping my finger up and down. I want to explain that to Wayne. And I'm going to do it again because I want to pause and I want to go in slow motion in this place. What age did you start to have that feeling of not being seen and not being heard? So I was actually doing uh, an exercise recently about kind of, you know, child trauma and things like that. And it's funny, it took me to this place that I didn't even remember. And it took you back to your earliest possible memory. And mine was really clear, which it it took me a second to process this because it was from, I was still in a crib, like under a year old. And I can remember sitting in my crib, staring up at at the ceiling. And I heard this voice in my head. It's that voice that we all have. And sitting there, wondering is this how i'm gonna sound when i'm older what's going on this is you know this is different okay well let's live with this let's try this for a second and i tried to talk and of course me comes out and that's it and i can remember getting so frustrated i started screaming <laughs> crying and it's you know, I, I have this memory very clearly of just getting so frustrated going <laughs> getting, getting this rage 
reach out. And it was, you know, it, it as you know, these developed, I'm remembering this memory of my mom coming in, trying to like pat me on the back and, you know, soothe a, a screaming child. She ran the vacuum cleaner, all those things you do with a screaming child. And I'd, it was interesting that when I was aware of that early memory of this thing happening and that's being a continuing trend throughout my life, that really shed a lot of light on things. You know, and it also said to me, it's not your fault. You know, this isn't your fault. This is something that happened. That we, I mean, we don't ever, you know, you're, you're not going to, life is never going to be perfect. You're always going to have these things that you're going to just have to deal with from this point, you know, in, in, that we have to deal with later in life. It's kind of part of the growth process. But yeah, it was interesting that that was the first memory I ever had was not being heard. Wow. And it really made a lot of sense for me. What yeah. about like, uh, let's, uh, so let's take it into five, six year old. I mean, is that, yeah. uh, I mean, is that a frustration or when did you start to notice that it was like, I mean, was there an event that happened that, that caused you to feel or that you were able to see it and it became real to you? I think a lot of it was, I was a, a how do we put it politely? highly communicative child, which is basically meant I talked a lot. And so, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think that's every kid. So, so when, when I say that, was there, was there a time where a person said to you, because overly communicative, that's a long, lot of syllables for me. Um, but, but was there a time where a person said, wow, you talk too much? Did you hear that? Because, well, yeah. Uh, and I did, and, and it was for you know, teachers with all of the best intentions. Um, I I don't. How do you know exactly. they had the best intentions? So it was more the um, they saw how other kids were kind of reacting to it because uh, yeah. other kids generally don't do terribly well to that, and so that you know they would try really hard to uh, you know just kind of you might want to try something different, you know, or you know, I had a lot of that, and for me, I really internalized it. And um, it was probably about third grade. We, we ended up moving school districts when I was in about third grade. And um, it, it first, my first impression, of course, I'm the new kid. I'm in third grade. Um, my first impressions with the kids were, hey, that's the kid that talks a lot. The kind of weird kid that talks a lot, you know. And it just went downhill. And it got even worse from that point because originally it was, you know, when I was in the, the first school I was in, you know, I had some friends. I kind of, you know, had built some things. I think that was really one of the critical factors when things just kind of went, uh, became more difficult. And, uh, but a lot of, you know, just, you know, this negative reinforcement. And again, it wasn't from people that were trying to be like, you're awful. It was, they saw a problem, they were trying to solve it and didn't understand how to communicate with me. And I think that's really where it came from. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'd say about, yeah, it, that's the next step is that kind of an eight, nine year old standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when did you start to realize or, or have you that being Andrew, like, and Andrew, like you're like no one I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, you are like, you're, there's, there's only one explanation for Andrew and all of you listening and all of you watching when you meet him, which you will, there is, just, it's just mm -hmm. Andrew. It's like Prince. Like that's just who you are. <laughs> And, and for me, I love it because I've never met a guy like Andrew. I probably won't run into another guy like Andrew. When did you start to, or, or, or are you at that point now that you realize that that Andrew that I'm talking about is just amazingly awesome at just being Andrew? It took, it was only about five years ago, really. It was, I was in my late thirties before I even had a hint of this. 
And it's really been, um, it, it's been this incredibly hard process of just trying to get over a lot of this. Um, there's, there's some background of codependency as well. Sometimes it's just easier to let, when you don't have a voice, it's easier to let somebody else do something for you. I just let somebody else take over. Okay, and okay, really hold on, hold on. I'm going to, I'm, I want to <laughs> stop. I want to, I want to stop on that one because you just said something that was a buzzword for so many people and for myself, yeah. codependence, right? Absolutely. Let's yeah. sit in that for a second. Explain that to me. You said codependence and then you went on and you went fast because that's where your mind goes. Um, yeah. Take us to that codependence and what did it look like for you? And, you know, because I think there's a lot of people out there listening that are like, I feel alone or not seen or not heard. And I'm, and I'm being codependent right now, but nobody can relate to this. Yeah. So for me, kind of where it was, is just, um, I had a lot of large personalities in my life. Again, people that were trying to help people that were, I was close to. And it was sometimes when you, when you feel like you don't have a voice or you feel like you're not valid, you feel like you're not there. Um, or you feel like, you know, my, my opinion doesn't count. A lot of times it's just easier to let them take over and do, and do things. And so, you know, that's really what happened is, is it's just, you know, why should I try to put this effort forward? A, I don't think I'm worth it. And B, this is going to be an uphill battle. I, I was, you know, if, if I had a choice between fight or flight, flight was 99.99% of the time what I was going to do when I was younger. And so it led to this kind of level of codependency where it's just like, I'm just going to let you do this because I, you know, I can't fight this. I don't feel like I can fight this. I don't have the voice to do this. So why the hell should I bother? So I'm going to go do this. You know, I'm, I'm just going to let you do this over here and I'm just going to go and take my blenders apart. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm going to do. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, and that's really, you know, I think that's where um, uh, it, it's created a lot of issues for me too. Cause now, you know, my coping mechanism was let me go take my blenders apart. Right. Um, and so I think that's where some, you know, some of the, I think that's where codependency can start is from, you know, having other folks and just, you know, a, um, a lack of self-control, a lack of self-confidence. Yeah. What would you say to the person that's in it right now? That's in that struggle. And maybe they don't even know that they're codependent, but maybe, maybe now I, I can tell you, there's a lot of people that are listening right now. They're like, Oh my God. Like, I feel that way too. I feel not yeah. heard. And sometimes I just pipe down and then I just start doing blenders. Maybe the blenders isn't your thing. Maybe it's just that you just seclude yourself or whatever it is. If you were speaking to that person, what would be three actionable items for them to be able to do right now that would start to get them on the road? And the thing that I love about you, Andrew, is you always let me know that you're on the road, that you, you've never looked at me and been like, Kelly, I arrived and this is how you do it. <laughs> That's why I believe that you could teach people how to be able to do these courses and these keynotes because you encourage people to let people know that I'm in it with you. Mm -hmm. Three yeah. actionable steps to be able to get out of it. Three actionable items. The very first thing I learned, and when I learned this concept, it absolutely changed my world. Because a lot of times, what would happen is this: this uh, all of these feelings inside me would manifest themselves as anger. And as soon as I realized there are only two feelings: fear and love, and everything else is a descendant of those two. And when you realize that anger is a fear-based response and start thinking in that direction, that that was something that completely changed my mindset. Now I wasn't looking at, I'm mad at you. I'm looking at, why am I scared of this? Totally changed the playing field. Absolutely changed it. So I would say, just start thinking about things in that mindset of, why are you scared of confronting this? 
because it's a fear-based reaction. And, and so that's really important. First is what am I scared of? The other part of it too is envisioning where you can be, where you could be in the future. This is really hard for somebody who's really stuck in the Myers of codependency and the Myers of all of this non-self-worth, this really low self-worth is the, it's difficult to envision where you could be because you're just so stuck in this kind of dark world, right? It, it's, it's hard to get there. So, but try little baby steps, keep trying to see where you can go. And you'll start to slowly understand that, oh, wait, this can get better. And then you open another, it's like opening doors, like a bunch of doors. Then you open another door. Oh, dude, this is even better. And you open it. Oh man, this is great. And it's going to keep building. Um, and that's, and, and the other part of it is, is your inner voice is a huge deal. Uh, and once I learned, my inner voice was absolutely wicked. It was bad. Once I learned that I had, I had the ability to control that inner voice and I had the ability to choose where I was at. I could either be like, oh, damn it, this is going to be the world's worst day. Or I could be like, you know what? No, I got this. We're going to go do this. And sometimes even if I say it and I don't believe for a hot second what I'm telling myself, <laughs> I'm going to go forward and I'm going to still do that. You know, sometimes fake it till you make it works best. So I'd say those are the three things. Understand that your, your emotions are either fear or love-based. Everything else is an iteration of those two. You know, understanding that small chunks of seeing that goal that you want, because all of us have it in us, you know, seeing that goal and small little chunks getting towards it. And, and that third, that your inner voice, you have a hell of a lot more control over your inner voice than you think you do. And understanding that instead of choosing negative, you choose positive. And it sounds really trite to say, but that is, you know, those are the three big keys I could give anyone who's in the same situation. Uh, you have a lot, people have a lot more control over their lives than they think they do. And it's interesting because we try to control our lives because we don't think we have control over it, which then completely backfires, <laughs> totally backfires. Then we lose control over it. We need more control over it. And it turns into this absolutely awful, awful like vicious cycle, right? As soon as we learn that controlling that inner voice first now means I have more control and then releasing the thought, the control we think we have, right? That, that illusion of control, releasing that and going, you know what? I got, I got, I can handle whatever the hell happens here. Okay. So if plan A doesn't work, I go to plan B and my checkboxes are different, but still I just go on to plan B. It's not that hard. Why waste energy on something else that I can't control? Once we, you know, once we get to that point, it's just so much, um, it's so much easier. Life becomes so much more fun. You, you're more on the love than the fear side of things. And that's just such a better place. Yeah. This is exactly why I said, I know everybody listening there, they're thinking like, I know why Kelly named this, uh, like the lead with your heart, because it, it really truly is. We could technique you to the, to, to the end of the, the world. But I tell you, if your heart is not in it, like, and yeah. so, help me with this one because you help people to craft keynote uh, presentations, but you mm -hmm. draw out of them and you do this with some of the best people in the world. So some of the mm -hmm. greatest speakers, Andrew's standing next to him doing like, yo, do this, do that, do that. You got this. Let's so this. <laughs> how do you take a person and help them to orate like truly their message and what's in their heart as opposed to a book that they read or a technique that they've seen very first thing i start off with is i want to hear your story i i want to hear what you've been through 
And it depends on what we're going to be talking about. If it's more of a technical thing, there's one way I'll do it. But a lot of what I do are these, tell me your story. Kelly Cardenas has a story. You have a very specific things that have happened to you and how you've overcome them. You know, I've had two clients so far who were, who were immigrants from Mexico, dirt freaking poor. One of them was, was just incredibly embarrassed as a kid because he had shoes. And that was his big thing. Hearing that story about how he's, you know, he's now built himself into this huge empire. Hearing that story, because again, like we'd said earlier on in the podcast, let's even use real estate. There's there's only so many ways you can teach real estate. There's a few different cool things we can do. There's some really, really cool things over here that, you know, but it's generally the same thing. We, we've kind of done it. it. It just may be a slightly different flavor of the same thing. I want to learn from this person and their story. And so anyway, it's just a, a process of sitting down and just telling me your story. Let's chat just like we're doing right now. Let's talk. You know, let, let's, and, and I'm listening for keywords like you're doing with me. It's kind of interesting to be on the other side of this. <laughs> I'm not used to being on this other side here, um, but it's sitting down and talking and just interacting with that person and really getting a connection and understanding where they came from and then being able to take that and translate it into uh, something that's cohesive that they, you know, they have, here's the steps that we go through. Here's my, here's my uh, life story. Here's, you know, here's what I've learned from it. And here's what I want to give you at the end of that. And so that's really the technique is just listening and just chatting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's incredible, man. I mean, I started the whole podcast because of people like you in my life. And you, I started it because of iconic people to me. And every person out there, I, whether he was before you started this podcast, he's going to be afterwards. Andrew's an icon in your life. And the reason why is because he leads with his heart. He has to be able to be truly connected with something. And honestly, the results the results are going to happen. Like, it's not even a question. Like you work with Andrew, you're going to be the best at what you do. Your course is going to be the best at what it is. It's, it's not a question. What I love about you though, Andrew, is you're asking yourself, are we going to have a good time while we're actually doing the course? Are you going to mm -hmm. remember that part and are you going to connect with it? And are you going to go tell all your friends? Well, hell yeah, I'm going to tell all my friends because I had a great time <laughs> and it was so effective. So yeah. But I, I started the podcast because of people like that, that were iconic in my life. And I, I wanted to show my kids that the Andrews of the world weren't superheroes, that you didn't come out the womb. You didn't come from like, uh, I don't know where it was. Uh, Superman was from Krypton, I think what he was, mm -hmm. but you're not from some far off land. Mm -hmm. You're a human being. You have a great attitude, crazy work ethic. So what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both their names, it would be awesome. So um, Maddox McKenna, the biggest piece of advice that I would ever give, your dreams, especially at a young age like now, are such a powerful force that you can take and change the world with it. As we grow older, we tend to forget this, but especially at a young age, the dreams that I had when I was younger, the dreams that I wanted to do, if I were to have taken them and manifested them into something right now, um, my world would be very different. And use that superpower that you have, those dreams, that imagination and that ability um, to come up with the wildest, craziest ideas because to terribly quote Steve Jobs, one of my favorite quotes, but I really always badly uh, quote it, you are the ones who are crazy enough to change the world. 
Andrew, it has been my pleasure. But the thing that I'm going to ask for is I, I need to have you on again and again Absolutely. and again and again and again. And again. <laughs> we got to have you on uh, quite a bit. And I'm going to, I told you when I first met you that I was going to force you to be my friend for the rest of your life and you can't get oh, yeah. rid of me. Um, <laughs> it is, it has been amazing because for those of you listening, I mean, 40 seconds of fire or 40 minutes of fire, like it feels like two seconds gone by. And it's amazing what you're able to you what you're able to uh, communicate. Your, I mean, your communication skills, Andrew, are on a like a level that very very few people have. Um, but you. also too, the, you're one of the first people that I've ever seen that has the type of methods that you do that get the type of results that you do, mm. and you never lose the heart. Like. You've been completely present with us, given us actionable items, but you didn't technique us to death and you didn't give us a presentation. You're just Andrew. And that's the thing that is so amazing, man. And I, I'm just, dude, I'm so honored to be your friend, man. Oh, same here, man. I thank you so much. I absolutely will. Oh, I love this. And it doesn't seem like it's been that long. It really doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's been 40 minutes already. It seems like it's been about two seconds and eh, we're just chatting. We're just doing our thing. <laughs> I well, love this types of interactions. You get so much more out of these interactions and I love it, man. Thank you so much for the honor of being on your podcast and absolutely uh, honored to be on it again, man. Absolutely. Oh, dude, we're, we're going to have you more and more and more. I want to, now's the time, click the links, check the sponsors. Uh, we got a, a new uh, uh, a new sponsor to the crew, uh, which is Private Money Club. Uh, check them out. And basically, they, uh, they explain it like this. My friend said it, and he's the, the founder of it. He said it was like Tinder for, for hard money loaning. And, and, and for people that have money, that need money, you're able to swipe and work uh, on that, making it so simple to be able to do investments that way. And also to uh, Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. I tell you, the heart and experience that you're talking about uh, with, um, with Andrew, that's the type of heart and experience that you get when you buy a car from uh, uh, Finley Volvo, car, uh, Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. So um, yeah, check the links, click the links, do the things that you need to do. And thank you so much for having us, uh, you know, be in the top 1% of all podcasts and globally and the five, uh, top 5% of, uh, podcasts shared on Spotify. But, um, Andrew, you have been an absolute, absolute genius. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, my man, you are absolutely amazing. And you're officially off the hot seat.